Hey guys, well, it's election day, and uh, as I was talking about yesterday, amazingly, the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, found a way in his final two months to shrink the government. Yes, 9,000 government workers are no longer are un on unpaid leave right now, well, because they refused to get the vaccine, and someone who I know loves limited government in a way, right, Zach Miller, you kind of like that whole get out of my hair type of thing. Did you ever think the mayor would you know, unintentionally become a small government mayor by cutting 9,000 jobs? <laughs> it's, um, it's out of character, I would, I would say that much, especially uh, this particular mayor. If you, you know, it is interesting that's Election Day, right? And we're talking about the transition uh, away from the de Blasio administration, uh, finally. But uh, if you remember, when de Blasio first became mayor, um, he came in after um, the Bloomberg administration made a whole lot of cuts. Uh, to this to the city staff so you know the Blasio came in and he he really um he went on a, a hiring spree for for quite some time i think a little bit more than just replacing people who are lost under under bloomberg and under the recession uh the Blasio really 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 added to the uh the city toll so yeah certainly uh <laughs> as, as as you um as you phrased it in that way yeah out of character for mayor de Blasio. and i say it tongue in cheek because ultimately he did it with a big government idea, which was the vaccine mandate. You and I differ that you should not be fired for getting for not getting the, man, the vaccine. I, I say in this political climate, if you don't want to be controlled, then you, you should not be fired for wanting to make this choice to not get vaccinated. Um, and Zach disagrees with me on that. Yeah, so it's and 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 to be clear, this talking specifically about the uh, city workforce. We're not talking about the Biden, um, correct? You know, business mandate. So the reason why I disagree is we're talking about people that went into uh, public service, uh, ma many of which for public health. We're talking about people who deal with vulnerable populations um, as part of their job, um, and 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 I think because of that, you they have a responsibility. Uh, to put public health and public safety first. And right now, the best way to do that is with vaccines. You know, hopefully some, I know they're working on pills right now, and, and certainly hopefully one day uh, we get to a point where COVID just really isn't uh, a big deal. Uh, it's really not prevalent amongst us, but unfortunately that day is not today. Uh, today, the best thing uh, for public health and for public safety is to have as many people vaccinated as possible. And I do think that, that city workers, uh, particularly those who deal with vulnerable populations, um, have that responsibility. You know, obviously, if there's if there's a health issue, um, certainly that that's one thing. But but generally speaking, um, those who are healthy enough to get the vaccine, I really do think they should. And it's a weird thing. One one of the last acts of the De Blasio administration is one of the few acts of the administration I I agree with. That is kind of interesting. But I got to ask you this: Do you think everybody who doesn't want to get the vaccine? is anti-vax or do you think they're anti-control? Because as I brought it to you yesterday, I feel that it's because of the lockdowns going too far that these people feel like this is another way to control us. It's such a great question. Uh, and, and, and I'm so glad, you know, the way your mind works that, that you think about these things and these different angles. I think there's a lot to what you're saying. I, 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 I do, I do. Um, I, but, and this is a conversation you and I have had on this show Really, throughout the pandemic, uh, the times that that I've been on, we talk about it a lot. It's it's you know, 
is freedom, of course, but there is also personal responsibility. And you do have to take responsibility um, for your actions. And in, in some cases, that means um, the career that you choose, there are, there are responsibilities that are associated with that career. Everybody has them. You know, like, um, I, you know, you know, I work with trucking. Uh, right. Truck drivers can't smoke marijuana. Even even though that marijuana is becoming legalized, you know, state by state throughout the country, truck drivers can't smoke it. You, you, you cannot smoke marijuana and operate a commercial vehicle. That's a choice that truck drivers have to make. And, and truck drivers that maybe would like to smoke weed, well, then you can't drive a truck. Um, so, too, you know, if you want to be in the NYPD or the FDNY, um, part of that choice is that you have to get vaccinated right now, COVID vaccine. Um, I, I respect the notion that you don't want control, but, but this is choice and actions have consequences. And you are totally free not to get that vaccine, but um, you are also free to find uh, different employment. And, and I don't have a whole lot of sympathy uh, for these city workers that are, that are on, on, on paid leave right now. Talking with Zach Miller, he is New York Truck Stop Radio. And uh, obviously, one of the guys leading that charge was none other than Curtis Sliwa. He was on the Brooklyn Bridge with the quote-unquote anti-vaxxers, and now he's on the ballot today. First of all, you and I have known him for years growing up in the city. We've seen him all over the place. I, <laughs> He got my foot in the door in radio, but did you ever think this would be a real campaign for him? Did you ever think he'd be this serious that he's on the ballot tonight? Gosh. Um, I Let's put it this way. When he did throw his beret in the ring uh, to, to re win the Republican nomination, I did think he was serious. Um, I think a lot of it does speak to the state of the Republican Party here in New York City that um, he his campaign caught the traction that it did early on. Um, I think and you and i have definitely had this conversation offline i'm not sure if we had it online so so you listeners we're going to loop you in right now i think had any other democrat won the primary sleever would have been a really interesting cat um candidate but you know a law and order campaign against uh an nypd veteran you know a moderate like adams that's tough for sliwa adams really kind of boxed off Sliwa in, in his big um, campaign issue and his big experience. Whereas if the Democrats had actually nominated one of the more progressive candidates, I think that would have been a campaign between, you know, the far left and, and somebody with the law and order chops like Sliwa had. And I don't know, you you actually opened the door to Sliwa if there was a progressive, did you not? Yeah, definitely. I, and, and I think that's kind of what Sliwa was hoping for when he threw his, his, his beret in the ring. I'm sorry, I can't avoid saying that. His beret in the <laughs> ring, where um, thinking that he really would run this, this rough and tough campaign against the progressives, uh, a campaign that I think would have appealed to a lot of us moderates here in the city, and not just uh, coming on the heels of the de Blasio administration, but coming off of years of just a horrendous city council, completely inept, uh, completely pandering, uh, trying to outleft each other. It, the mm -hmm. city council has been an absolute disaster. And I think Sliwa wisely thought that that would be a great, between the city council and de Blasio, that would just be a great uh, in for him to build a coalition uh, to make things interesting here. But uh, unfortunately for him, but, but very much fortunately 
for the city, uh, Adams was able to hold off the progressives in the primary and and really um, um, cut cut the win from from the Sliwa sales. Although you got to give credit to Sliwa, he he did run a, a campaign, an interesting campaign. You know, he he's been out and about. Uh, his name is certainly been up there. I don't know what the final vote tally is going to look like, but I think Sliwa really did give give everything he had to this campaign. A hundred percent, even going out after breaking his arm. I mean, that's just to hit by a cab and then get back out there is very interesting. We can leave that discussion for another day, but yeah. <laughs> we talked about the hometown heroes parade and how Mayor de Blasio said, uh, you know, thank you truckers, if I'm not mistaken, that's what you said he said. He did, he did, yes. But uh, but what is the state of trucking leaving the de Blasio administration and, and then looking forward into most likely an Adams administration? You know, that really is the, the $64,000 question. I'll tell you, the state of trucking right now is it's brutal. Um, we do not have enough drivers that we need to haul the freight. We know the supply chain is completely messed up. That's a global issue. That's not just the U.S. issue. Um, we really don't see any uh, fixes in sight. Um, I think even, even Mayor Pete, who is usually more... Um, optimistic uh, has started to say that yes, these supply chain issues are going to go well into 2022, probably 2023. Um, all of which is to say that uh, we know we've known for a long time how important trucking is um, globally, even you know, states and certainly not just here in New York City, and yet. Um, the climate in New York City for those who operate trucks is is incredibly difficult, and it gets more so. Um, here we are in early November. The weather is starting to turn, so less people are um, going to be eating outdoors, and yet trucks have to deal with the fact that so much space is lost to those sheds that are in front of the restaurants. Uh, same thing with your bike lanes and, and your city bike and your bike racks. You know, here we are. We're headed into the winter months we're heading into the holiday shopping season which is the, the busiest time for trucks and they have even less space to operate even mm. more egregiously because the restaurants aren't using that space cyclists aren't really using that mm. space but it is not available to the truckers because it was carved out um for those other interests throw in the fact that that adams um is a brooklyn guy uh the bqe is in his backyard they're doing major construction on mm -hmm. the bqe right now the, the lanes of traffic have been reduced from three to two. So the BQE, which which unfortunately always experiences uh, gridlock and delays, is, is even worse. Uh, I, I saw recently on Twitter that the George Washington Bridge just celebrated its 90th birthday. Um, the, the George Washington Bridge is one of the worst <laughs> choke points for freight in the country. Um, and, and I could tell you, Alex, I drove over the GW Bridge uh, two weeks ago. I had, a conf I had a meeting up in Binghamton, um, so I was driving home, and just in, in, in my, uh, technically my dad's uh, little Jetta, uh, the gridlock was unbearable. So these are issues that truckers have to deal with day in and day out, and the fact that, that they are not prioritized, even in discussions, they're not prioritized, it just makes life that much harder. So look, between us, I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh, about the change to Adams, I think Adams is, is a more practical man. Understanding of, of some of the big picture problems that we face as a city, as a state, and as a nation. But, um, but, but 
will he be able to maneuver around that? Will he be able to really prioritize uh, trucking, logistics, freight, small business? Um, that is anyone's guess right now. Uh, Zach, I don't know if going to Albany for a conference like you and your and, and Arthur Miller did um, would make noise for New York City, but do you feel like there was some rippling effects from that downstate? <laughs> um, you know, it's a funny thing, Alex, because um, so much of the action up in Albany is dictated by uh, what happens here downstate. Um, and, and yet so much of the, um, trucks come in from upstate. So really you go to Albany, you have conversations with people, you really get a sense of that friction, um, mm. and, and, and unfortunately resentment, um, that, that, that the city, uh, has upstate right now. And really since the Blasio took over. And, you know, you know, just a, a follow-up. That yeah. is something that, that, that Adams could really do to differentiate himself from de Blasio, is to really build better relationships with those upstate uh, delegations. You know, even some of the Democrats. He doesn't have to start out with Republicans. Just, just you know, moderate upstate Democrats. He, he could build some strong consensus with them. Uh, you know, we know Kathy Hochul is, is getting primary from the left, and, and, you know, we could talk about that now or on a different show. But, 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 but I think that Hochul and Adams might be able to put a nice little coalition together up in Albany um, if, if they're thinking aligned. And, 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 and if, uh, if they're, some of their advisors are listening, that's something I would recommend. I would recommend a, uh, a Hochul-Adams team-up uh, to sort of uh, build a, a better working group in New York and sort of uh, build a shield around uh, the left and some of these mm -hmm. progressives. All right, well, let's talk about the DOT because obviously that's another department which um, most likely mayor, which the next mayor, I'm going to just say the next mayor, because we don't really know until the ballot. Yeah. But, but the next mayor will have control of that. What do they have to do to incorporate trucking in the Department of Transportation that this mayor has not? So this is actually one of the, the weird things that de Blasio kind of sort of gets credit for. So in DOT, there's a department called the Office of Freight Mobility. Like they really just deal with with freight and how freight moves around the city, and and mostly they deal with with trucks and the trucking industry. And, and the people who staff that department are fan. They 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 really are some of the most outstanding uh, public servants I've ever met in my life. They understand the issues. They understand the problems. Uh, they work towards really um, interesting solutions and creative solutions to these problems. So. Kudos to de Blasio, and, you know, it started with uh, when Polly Trottenberg was commissioner and, and has continued now that, that Hank is commissioner. Um, so kudos to all that. The problem is, unfortunately, that voice is silenced too often uh, mm -hmm. in city government. So one thing Adams could do is be a little um, more hands-off and allow the professionals to do their job um, and then, you know, he, he gets to come in and take credit at the end, but, but not uh, muck it up along the way, so to speak. So, so I would say if Adams were to let uh, Office of Freight Mobility and some of these other factions in DOT just do their job, um, ha handle the data, be a step in the right direction. I'm going to ask you about the bigger p picture on this supply chain because it is an issue. It's 
been an oh, issue yeah. now even before uh, actually the White House realized it was an issue. Um, <laughs> yeah. But why hasn't New York City stepped up and said, hey, come to our harbor, come to the Hudson River, come to the East River, we will help you out? So that's a great question. I will tell you this. Um, the current DOT commissioner, Hank Gutman, really would like to do that. Uh, he really would like to sort of expand the opportunities um, on the waterways and then sort of work the, the, the trucking angle from there. I think that there are a couple of complicated issues with that. The first complicated issue is the way that the ports themselves are run. Ports, very similar to uh, the MTA, which we talk about on this show a lot, is um, they're like a quasi-government agency. So they're, they're sort of, they're somewhat government, but they're somewhat private. They're a mix. And then there's a board. And, uh, you know, in New York, the governor of New York and the governor of New Jersey get to appoint the people on the board. And all of this is to say it's very bureaucratic and it's very unaccountable. Mm. So some of the port practices are very uh, anti-truck. They make trucks wait in huge queues. Uh, trucks don't even have access to the bathrooms and, and other facilities. Um, unfortunately, a lot of these port operators are, are owner operators because uh, respectable, respectable might not be the right word, but that's the first one that comes to mind, uh, <laughs> honestly. Uh, trucking fleets don't want to touch the ports. It's not worth it for them to touch the ports. So a lot of times it's these owner operators that have to service the ports and they're they're not paid by the hour. They're paid by the load. So a lot of times they'll be have they'll have to queue for three or four hours just to pick up a load, and they're not getting paid for it. It's a very very difficult um, difficult way to make a living, and because of that, uh, there are less people who want to go to the ports and service the ports. And then you know there are also um, um, endorsements and qualifications that that mean that that not just any. Can, can pick up a truck and go to the port. Mm -hmm. um, so port politics is its own huge problem. Mm -hmm. A secondary problem for New York City to sort of expand its capacity is the fact that waterfront property has been sold off to developers. So where for, for generations, the waterfront was this, you know, industrial manufacturing sector, uh, that's moved away. And now it's more, you know, these high rises and mixed use and, and, and expensive development, um, which means that there's not really even a, like even if the city wanted to be like, hey, let's build out some new port capacity, uh, there just really aren't that many places where they could do it. Um, does that hurt us? Uh, because I feel like economically, we should be able to do something yes, to fix yes. the chain. This is this is why this is why you and I are such good friends because you see these problems from a mile away. Yes, it hurts us. It hurts our competitiveness. It, it it hurts the city economy. The fact is that the industrial and manufacturing sector uh, play a vital role in the New York City economy, and the fact that we have marginalized and vilified and chased that sector away means that we've completely gone to a service economy. And wouldn't you know it? Uh, with the pandemic that upended the nature of work with, with work from anywhere models, all of a sudden people don't even need to be in New York City to do their quote-unquote New York City jobs. It, it, it is absolutely devastating to the economy. And I, and I highly encourage um, Adams, or, or even if it is Sliwa, I highly encourage the next mayor to double and triple down on, on bringing back New York City manufacturing and industrial uh, capabilities.
Can someone get in the ear of Joe Biden from New York and just talk to him and say, hey, the economy actually sucks right now. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I think this is one of those uh, complicated things where being president is complicated, right? Because uh, certainly the economy does suck. There are a lot of reasons why the economy sucks. Uh, and as president, I imagine he does know that the economy sucks. But uh, due to, like, you know, political uh, ramifications, he doesn't want to have a, a whole press conference about, uh, oh, boy, the economy sucks. But, yeah, the economy has it, the economy does suck. It, it sucked for some time. Uh, the, the, there's not a whole lot of great direction here. Um, and, and, again, I think a lot of this is, is global issues. I, I mm. think a lot of, we, we, you know, it, there's way too big a prevalence on um, hustle culture for lack of a better word. The gig you know, economy is a big thing, too. Huge, huge. And it's just like, you know, just just, just take it down a notch. Let's talk about, build, let, 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 let's go community by community, right? Let's try to rebuild these communities, uh, small businesses in the community, and, and, and take it from there. Um, everybody is going to, you're not going to hustle your way to become a, a multimillionaire or a billionaire. And you can't build an economy that way, that's for sure. You know, it's amazing. The stock market still is doing pretty well, which is amazing considering the time we're in right now, isn't it? it, it you know, and, and it, it, it's always bothered me that there was such a connotation of, well, as the stock market goes, so goes the economy. That's just not true. That's not, that, that's not, you know, it probably was true at the time, but now th th there are so few Americans who even, even own stocks. And, and, and the ones who, you know, your, your average middle-class American, um, you know, they, they don't even own a whole lot of it. The, the overwhelming majority uh, of stocks are owned by, uh, by very wealthy people or, you know, your, your funds and, and your indexes mm -hmm. and things like that. So it, it, it really is a warped sense of, of, you know, the stock market might be doing great, and that's great for people who, who have uh, money in the stock market, but for sure not the case and that that's just not where their money is um unfortunately so so i think that that one thing we, we really should be doing more of is decoupling that um line of thinking that okay the stock market the stock market but the economy is also the economy mm -hmm. and there there are instances where they intersect but but generally speaking that's not the case and, and they're not on the same track i want to stay in dc for a minute because i don't know how much this trillion dollar at 1.5 trillion dollar could impact New York City, but it, it is the fact that it's not gotten done. Is it just a, another failed thing from this administration right now? Like it, it, it's like there's no further movement on this. It's just stuck right now. Well, you, you know, you asked me this at a very interesting time because this week I happen to be um, on meetings. It's it's called the um, the Trucking Association's um, Lobby Day. Uh, with the Capitol, the American Trucking Association sets it up. So we're having meetings with members of the New York congressional delegation. Um, I had two today and, and I have multiple meetings throughout the week. And um, there is a lot of frustration that, that some of these bills are not moving forward. Uh, but at the same time, there is some optimism that at least the infrastructure bill, the, the physical infrastructure bill uh, will be moving forward. I think Look, until any until something gets done, it's not done and it's a failure. I, I, I don't think anybody would argue that. Um, but but again, if if it gets done, that's how you change the script from failure to success. So yes, I would say it is a failure. Um, and it's a failure up until it 
it turns into a success. And if it never turns into a success, well, that's problems for the administration. Uh, if it does turn into a success, well, you know, then the administration has something to, ha to hang its hat on. And, th and that's why, you know, at the end of the day, I, I would imagine something will get done. Um, I don't know what exactly that would look like, but, but I would imagine something significant with infrastructure gets done here. Um, and Manchin, he's just kind of protecting his seat right now. But, I, I mean, I kind of applaud him for trying to get this whittled down to as little as... Because I think anything in the trillions with the debt we have just sounds ridiculous. So I'm kind of glad he's standing his ground. And I know you probably disagree with that, actually. Well, I don't... I'm not as big a deficit hawk uh, as others are. I, to me, it's, it's what is it going towards. Uh, infrastructure is a really sound investment. It, it usually pays pretty positive dividends. Uh, so I'm certainly not opposed to uh, a large spending bill that goes to uh, physical products like, like infrastructure and, uh, and really rebuilding this nation. Um, I think with Manchin, um, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure what exactly his end game is, totally honest. He's, a, he's an unusual character, that's for sure. But I, I mean, because I, I, I totally respect him trying to hold off the left. Um, totally. Yeah. But I, I don't think that is a huge issue in the Senate, uh, to be perfectly honest. I think between Biden and Schumer and just trying to, you know, as you say, turn these failures into successes, I think that's more than enough to hold off the left and, and pass a bill that that's more than reasonable for, for the uh, average American. Is it true AOC might challenge Schumer? I've been hearing stuff like that. I, I don't know if she's actually going to do it, but... You know, I, I, I think I've heard the same rumors you have. Um, I think that certainly would be a fascinating uh, move for her. I, I don't think it would be successful. Um, nor do I, 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 you know, look, I really don't care much about AOC, you know, <laughs> Either way, and certainly she wouldn't take advice from me, but but I would advise against a move like that at this point. She's gonna run for Senate at some point. I mean, I don't think there's any question about about that. That her her eyes are, are towards a, a bigger position than um than, than a representative. Mm. But to to challenge Schumer in a primary when Schumer is the Senate Majority Leader. That seems like a, just a, a, a huge uh, stretch right there. And, and, <laughs> and, and I would say I, I think that is not in the best. Just forget about progressive or moderate or conservative or anything like that. I just don't think that's in the best interest of the state of New York. And, and frankly, um, I, I will say the same thing to, uh, to our current attorney general who mm. threw her hat and bring to primary Governor Hochul. Um, I do not think that is in the best interest of the state of New York, and I have a big problem with that. Well, I, and, and just like I think running for governor is not the best interest for de Blasio either, but accordingly he's not, not running. So. <laughs> is it, like, he just can't seem to find any other forms of employment, right? You know, That's instead of Iowa, he'll is. be in Buffalo at an empty, you know, restaurant. That's what will happen. So. Oh, my God. Like, seriously, just, my gosh. Or the better one is that uh, Cuomo might want to be attorney general or they may, made jokes about that. That would be weird if he kept back in the politics. But. Well, you know, Cuomo might lose his – Cuomo might be disbarred. I mean, he's charged with a misdemeanor. Um, Cuomo might lose his, his law license. Uh, 
I, I'm sure he probably has bigger fish to fry right now than that, but but I, I can't see him uh, r- running for for anything again, let alone in fact he would need to have a uh, an active law license. While we're on this, by the way, um, is this the biggest mess the new mayor has inherited from the previous mayor? Because, you know, actually Bloomberg kind of left this place intact. De Blasio has just left it almost a shell, it feels like, of New York City. Yeah, I it, it's so hard to say because you know we're we're too young to remember the seventies and the eighties and and what what uh, Ed Koch inherited. And certainly, by all accounts, Ed Ed Koch inherited a, a massive mess. Um, but it's um, yeah, it, it's 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 a lot. It's it's a big job that the new mayor is coming into. This city has a lot of problems there are a lot of opportunities too it's not all gloom and doom but but there are a lot of problems and there's a lot of um there's a lot more friction i think than new yorkers want to i think there yeah there, there are a lot of new yorkers right now who just don't seem to trust or like one another um, and that's a problem. And, and, and New Yorkers want to put that, for that, like, oh, we're all New Yorkers, we're all in this together, you know, we're, we love our diversity and, 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 and all that, those good selling points. But, but from what I've seen, just, just walking around and talking to people the last, whatever it is, year, six months, um, it, it's not like that. It, it, it's pretty ugly out there. Um, and, 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 and it saddens me. And I certainly hope that the next mayor can do a, a better job of bringing neighborhoods and bringing people back together. And if the other thing about Adam is I'm hearing he might bring back stop and frisk. I, I don't know how true that is, but I mean, it's, it's possible he might bring policing back to the streets a little more. We, you, you never know until you see it. I, I'd be skeptical that he does stop and frisk, but I would definitely think the pol- his method to policing would be more hands-on. Um, I do think, I, I have heard rumblings about bringing back the beat cop, so to speak, which mm-hmm. I think is a good idea. Um, if there's a component to that that could then lead to stop and frisk, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I, I, I'm skeptical that his first move would be a stop and frisk type of thing. His first move has to be to alleviate some restrictions on the city. Wouldn't you agree? I would think so. I would think the first move would be definitely more, hey, let's sort of cool down some of this regulatory environment. Let's really go all out to help our small businesses. Um, let, let's try to cut some of this red tape. And, and you know, as you said, he, it looks like he'll be inheriting a, a slightly smaller city workforce uh, than anticipated. Um, but yes, I, I, I think definitely uh, taking taking that hands off approach would be um, a good way to to start. Then again, we could wake up and it'd be like a hundred thirty billion dollar budget and not ninety, so it could be a way more big government under Adams. We don't know. <laughs> we do not know yet. We don't know. And he just doesn't seem like a big government type. Like it just doesn't seem like he's interested in that. You know, I just don't get that from him. He's a, he's a bit of a mystery. I, I don't know. He's just very... He is. Yes, he is. He's very coy. You know what I mean? He's, he's kind of talkative, but he's not talkative. It's very interesting. Do you watch... Do you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Not as much, admittedly. But, but you're familiar. You're familiar with it. But so it, it's just like how... There, how every time there's a conflict, 
before Larry David reacts, he kind of gives a look and then kind of starts talking. And that look and him starting to talking is sort of him going through the motions of how he's going to react. And that's kind of how Adams is when Adams is asked the question. Like, first, he'll kind of give, like, a glance. Like, he'll kind of do a half look away, half look at the camera. And he'll kind of just start sort of talking but not really saying anything, trying to figure out exactly how he wants to react. But meanwhile, he's midway through his reaction. He's an interesting character. Uh, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of interesting stuff, and uh, I can't wait. I just think we should be thankful this mayoral ship is over because yes, um, wow. And the sad part is he's such a nice guy to talk to. I I think I told you he stopped for five minutes on Memorial Day and talked to me for a minute. But it's just his policies don't reflect that. He reflects more of a you know very controlling mayor. Let's put it that way. The job was too big for him. He, he, he's a good retail politics guy. He's a good schmoozer. Uh, you know, he, he's likable enough, but, but the job of mayor is just way too big for him. He, he didn't have the skills to handle it, um, unfortunately, for everybody. Way uh, so true. All right, well, Zach, on that note, thanks for joining me once again. And one more thing, you've got a podcast going. Tell us about that really quick. Yes, so New York Truck Stop Radio has returned. Uh, we, we are putting out weekly podcasts now. We like the format a little bit better. Um, it, it, you know, Arthur and I have so much going on right now. It was hard to like specifically carve out the time. Um, so we like this podcast format. We like that we could be really flexible with it. And we like that we have a little bit more time to talk, you know, to our guests and, and amongst each other than that 22-minute uh, hard stop. So uh, we're really excited about the return of New York Truck Stop Radio, which you could certainly check out. Uh, on uh, AM970's website, uh, as well as NewYorkTruckStop.com. Uh, we have them all listed for you. And now I've got to have you back on the pod again. Maybe uh, maybe once the dust settles with this election, we'll have you come and do uh, the, the Alex Garrett election recap. Oh, let's do it. I'm, I'm excited for that. And uh, one more thing. Why are you endorsing this uh, Mr. Canigliero? Remind the listeners of that. So, you know, and it's interesting because I am a Democrat. I'm more on the moderate side of the Democrats, which I'm sure your listeners can tell. I usually don't vote Republican. The reason why I like uh, Canigliero, and, and this is for um, our area, Forest Hills, Rigo Park, um, in, in Queens, um, he just gets the frustration of the small business owner, mm. of the middle class. Um, he just understands why the city council, again, yes, de Blasio, but, but, but why the city council has really failed our district. And he has some real uh, practical, they're not conservative, they're not liberal, they're just practical solutions for how to get this neighborhood and how to get this city back on track. And I really like what he was saying. I also like Alex, he was, he's been out in the community. His opponent, um, the Democrat, uh, Lynn Shulman, I have not seen her once. I have not seen her campaign material in any of the small business. And you know me, Alex. You know I go to Austin Street all the time. I Mm -hmm. go to Metropolitan Avenue all the time. I haven't seen any of her posters in the small businesses. I haven't seen her or campaign surrogates around the commercial corridors in the area. And that really bothers me. And that really worries me. And that's why uh, I am going to to vote for the Republican 
for um, for city council. I will vote for Adams too, so I am splitting the ticket uh, between Democrat and Republican. But but yeah, for me to vote a Republican is it, it's not it's, it's not the first time I've done it. I do do it from time to time, but but it does take a lot. It it does take a lot. And when when I do vote for a Republican, uh, it's just sign that that they're doing something right. That's for sure. Well, you gotta hit the polls. I gotta hit the polls. So. Let's get the vote out. And uh, Zach, thanks again for joining me tonight. Oh my gosh, anytime. You and know it. I'm Alex Garrett. You got a couple hours left before the polls close here in New York. Make your voice heard or kind of just shut up if you don't want to vote. You don't have to say afterward, is my, my view, right, Zach? <laughs> no, you're right. You're 100% right on it. All right. I'm Alex Garrett. We'll talk to you very soon. And uh, happy Election Day 2021.